0: Hearing the words, you're not good enough, is sadly something that I've told myself way too many times that I can count. I don't know if you guys can relate, but it's really hard when you're telling yourself that you're not good enough. Now, today's guest was told she wasn't good enough on national television in front of millions of people. Now, when that happens, when you're humiliated and you feel shame and embarrassment and you fall to your knees, it's already freaking difficult now imagine you do that in front of so many people can you get up are you able to get up well today's guest not only freaking got up guys she freaking showed them what she was made of Lindsay sterling the dancing hip-hop violinist is here guys to tell us how on national television she was told that she wasn't good enough and didn't listen went on To still be herself and now sits with over three billion views let me just repeat three billion views and counting on her youtube channel now guys not only does she share how she got up after absolutely being crestfallen but she also openly talks about her struggles with anorexia and her mental health issues now guys, this was one of these conversations that was so deep, so intimate, so personal and so beautifully eye-opening. She sits with me today, guys, with zero judgment and talking openly about how on earth she handled these issues and how she still handles these issues. And that's what Women of Impact is all about. It's not about being perfect. It's not about saying, I got this sorted. It's about, no, no, how do you keep handling problems? How do you keep showing up? And well... Today's guest, my girl, Lindsay Sterling, shares so many freaking nuggets. Let's just dive in right now and listen. And guys, if this episode did bring you value, please do share, tell your homies about it, review, rate this episode, let me know what really resonates with you. Start sharing the impact, guys. Let's start changing some freaking lives together. All right, now without further ado, let's get into this episode of Women of Impact with Lindsay Sterling.
1: I became so unhappy and I got so sucked into just hating myself. Dancing violinist
0: sensation Lindsay Sterling gets real. Like literally looking in the mirror and I just hated the girl staring back at me so much. Before her mind blowing success, Lindsay battled negative voices in her head.
1: Um, I always get tearful of this experience. because, And in matters of the heart,
0: Yes, she goes there.
1: Are you in a relationship? Have you ever gone through heartbreak? And I, I really actually never talked about
0: this before. But today, she does. Welcome to Women of Impact, Lindsay Sterling. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Oh my God, homie, I'm so freaking excited to have you. I've been desperate to have you on the show for a long time. And this is actually really important of where we start. So many of us don't feel good enough. We don't feel good enough to ask for things. We get rejected from things and that makes us feel really badly about ourselves. And I have spent the last three years trying to be good enough to have you on my show. So that's why I want to start. <laughs> me? Yes, me. <homie. laughs> that's why I want to start with not being good enough. Because one of your most epic stories is that you get rejected on national television, where I believe you're told you sound like um, like rats squeaking, um, in that moment of rejection, in that moment where you've said, I didn't feel good enough, how the hell did you get back up to then crush it and have over 3 billion views on <laughs> YouTube?
1: You know what? looking back at that story i remember as i stood on that stage and this is in front of like millions of people watching live i see the red camera like the little light on it just letting me know that like this is live and i'm listening to these horrible things i'm so humiliated and ran to the bathroom after i finally got off stage and just sobbed for like hours and i remember the thoughts in my mind where i could never get on a stage again that was too humiliating like no one ever will want me after they see that um But then after some time passed, like time does heal all wounds, you know, and I really like listened to that inner voice inside of me that let me know, like, you're not done yet. Like, there's more for you in this story. That wasn't the end. And, you know, I think that inner voice is the most important thing I've learned to listen to. And it goes past the thoughts in your mind of like, I'm not good enough, or like, that was embarrassing. There's like a deeper level of yourself. And, you know, I like to attribute that to like, God, you know, that's, that's what I call that mm. voice. Everybody calls it their own thing, but it kind of let me know, like, try again. This isn't the end, get up. Like, you know, lick your wounds, feel better. And I'm so grateful that I listened. And I guess also I changed the dialogue in my head to like give me the courage and it went from being what they told me is that I wasn't enough. Mm. And I changed the dialogue to like, well, maybe I wasn't good enough that night. Maybe it's not that I will never be good enough. Maybe I just wasn't good enough yet because it was kind of this idea of like, I'm a dancing violinist, and it was like a very new craft at the time. I've played the violin since I was six, but I'd only just started to learn to dance. And so it was kind of awkward and it wasn't my best performance and I was terrified. So I was really nervous and didn't do very well, to be honest. But just because you didn't have the greatest moment doesn't mean that you don't have what it takes to be great tomorrow or next year, or maybe you weren't good enough. Maybe you need to work a little harder to earn that spot on the stages. and. And so i worked really hard in the shadows for a while till i was ready to then step on not even stages that big smaller stages to help me learn the craft of performance so that i could get on bigger stages and now i've returned several times to stages like that and bigger stages but i was i was good enough because i put in the time and i didn't give up and i listened to that inner voice
0: dude that's so strong i'm so obsessed with these like pivot moments I keep bringing it back to the movie Sliding Doors, where it's like this one moment where if you make the sliding door, your life goes one way. And if you don't make the sliding door, your life goes another. And those moments, these one little moments where we can believe we're not good enough ever. Yeah. And now it means we don't ever try. We never pick up that violin again. We never go on that first smaller stage to then build up to be to the point where you're just, you know, again, three billion, guys, with a B, billion views. <laughs> There's another story where the other Lindsay doesn't pick up the violin to do her YouTube channel to that because she believes that negative voice that's telling her she's not good enough. So did you actually find solace in using the word yet?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think it takes away the infinite comment of like, Mm -hmm. you're not good enough forever. But when you're like, well, like yet. okay, I'm not good enough yet, maybe. I can work on yet. Once upon a time, I couldn't play the violin at all. And at that point I was also overcoming some mental, like, um, you know, challenges. I was going through anorexia and I was like kind of on the tail end of it. And I was like, once upon a time, I hated myself. That didn't mean I have to hate myself forever. And so I would learned through so many things. We've all experienced this possibility of, hey, you don't know something and you have the chance to learn it. So it's like, okay, I just need to work a little harder. I just need to give myself a little more time.
0: That is so beautiful and there is power to that. There is so much power to knowing, oh, yeah, I may actually be terrible right now. And that's actually why I started with the not good enough part and saying that I've been looking, been trying to get you on my show for so long because I had that same attitude. Like there were moments where I've had guests that I've reached out to that have just said no. right? Right. And it's like, okay, Lisa, you can take that as a dent to your ego. Or you can just actually be honest with yourself and say what you need to do in order to get there you haven't done yet. And you talk about earning your stripes. So how did you then process, you broke down little, like, okay, so I went on that first stage. Did you realize that that was part of you building back your confidence in order to then be able to step on that big stage?
1: I did because I remember how terrified I was before I stepped on to this little open mic night stage. I could just, the it was all, it all felt very fresh, I should say, like the sound of the buzzer, the things the judges said, the humiliation I had felt. It was all so like, it felt fresh because I hadn't done it since. And I just remember being so scared to go up. but my sister was there with me. She was my roommate in college and she was the first one to clap when I finished. And it's like, as long as you've got somebody in your court you know, I think we all need that like cheerleader. Like it's, a, it's hard to be that 100% for yourself. You do have to be your biggest cheerleader, in my opinion, in order, but you also kind of need those people in your court that are like, hey, I'll be there for you. I'll be the first one to stand and clap even if no one else claps. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm so grateful for my, my mom and my sister and those people that were there for me to, through those times and helped me realize like, this is scary, but like you're gonna get through it.
0: <laughs> okay, that's so powerful. I love going deep though, girl. So take me to that moment. Okay. You're, you said you're still hearing the buzzer. I'm sure the anxiety, oh, so going sure. back onto the stage again after you feel like you failed or you, that you have had a failure, you're standing. There are so many people that cannot put their foot on that stage
1: yeah.
0: that go from feeling the fear and letting it dictate how they show up. Yeah what are those little incremental things that when you're standing there and you're really scared and you're hearing the, you know the old buzzes and the old embarrassment and all those past emotions that come rushing to you what allowed you
1: to actually put those steps onto that stage you know what i am looking back at all this experience i am so grateful that i had those experiences because i've used these same exact tools mm-hmm. time and time again to this day when I'm afraid of something or when I'm like, I have no motivation to do that. Like, Mm. I I don't know if I can get up today and do that. You know, I I go back to that place of that girl that was terrified and embarrassed and humiliated and scared. Uh, You know, I go back to those pivotal moments. And for me, it's sometimes you just have to put one foot in front of the other. As simple as that sounds, take the first step. And for me to get onto that first little tiny open mic stage, the first step was pick a song that I think I would play and practice it and let's pretend i'm on stage while i'm in my little apartment like we're not even gonna like that's the goal i signed up to do the open mic night which was terrifying but now we're just going to start it like pick a song what song would i play and then visualize it i did a lot of visualization Mm -hmm. because i had such a strong memory in my mind of how it went wrong that was so present but your mind i mean we've all heard it a million times it doesn't know the difference between imagination and reality if you can paint a real enough picture and think about What am i going to wear like imagining what i'm going to say and then visualizing my way through the process is an amazing tool you know the first time i discovered visualization was i was a runner in high school very average runner i wasn't great but um i really wanted to make it to like the state uh track meet but i had to cut my 800 time down by like a significant amount and so someone had told me about visualization and I was like, okay, so I imagined the perfect race where I would like have a stopwatch and I'd imagine where I'd be at the 100 yard line right on time. And then I'd imagine Mm. like where I'd be and I'd I'd imagine my uniform like blowing in the wind and my hair bouncing on my back and I'd I'd imagine myself being passed and passing people but I'd imagine my perfect race. And I had to cut quite a bit of time off, but I was shocked when I crossed the finish line at that regional race, you know, and I was like, what was my time? And they handed me my card and it was the exact time that I had been practicing perfectly in my mind for several weeks. And really like you get the chance in your mind to practice the optimal performance to outweigh the terrible memories the terrible performances and it takes time but our minds are so powerful and you're actually rewiring and connecting new neural pathways so that when i when i stepped on that stage it it, i was still terrified but i was like i picked my song I'm here now, I've imagined this. I I knew what outfit I was gonna wear. I went through all those little baby steps of one foot in front of the other till before I knew it, I was on that stage and my sister was out there ready to stand and clap for me.
0: Lomi, this is so powerful because I love the incremental steps. I used to be petrified. The idea of coming on camera, I'd be like, are you joking? Why would I ever do that to myself? Like, I'm getting heart palpitations just thinking about getting on camera, learning actually getting on camera. and. Part of my evolution was exactly that, where it's like, if you just focus on that big goal, you can get petrified. You can yeah. actually think like the imposter syndrome can come through, right? Like, what if I get Absolutely. rejected again, right? Because you, I'm sure remember, you've even said, I remember how it felt. Yeah. And so now getting back on stage or doing anything like that, the fear of, I don't want to feel like that again, can be so paralyzing. Yeah. But if you say, what song? Put one in front of the other. It's, it's a practice, like even thinking, if this is going to be a long-term t- long journey for you, then you're never gonna be done. So mm-hmm. isn't it better to just incrementally get better than Absolutely. to think that I should wake up tomorrow and be the best, or other people who may be comparing themselves to you to be like, well, I'm never gonna be Lindsay, so I may, not, I may not as well try.
1: Right, well, and I think one thing I've learned over the last decade of doing you know this career path of mine is, I love to be a student, and I that's something I've learned. Um, at first, it's like you hate everyone hates being bad at something. Everyone <laughs> hates that feeling of like, wow, i'm I'm not good at this or like, I could never perform this in front of people, like, or, oh, I, you know, it's uncomfortable. And especially as adults, we get very comfortable being comfortable. No. And, uh, you know, through multiple situations of learning to dance and play the violin, learning to be okay on stage, then, you know, doing things like Dancing with the Stars, where I was suddenly thrown in ballroom heels, and you have to perform something you're not comfortable with in front of millions of people. Like, all these experiences have kind of made me love being a student. And I think the most important thing I've learned is that step one of any process is this feels impossible. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've, I've recently started doing aerial routines. Like I now like, spin, I have a hoop in my backyard that's like rigged up and I can like spin around in it. And it's crazy how sometimes even just the, the pure strength to be able to do some of these maneuvers and lift my body into these positions, what, as my coach is teaching me, I'm just like, I'm not, I'll even say to her, I'm not strong enough or I'm not flexible enough to do that. It's impossible is what my mind is telling me, but I've learned to stop and say, it's not impossible, it's just the first freaking time you've tried it, you're baby at this. And it's amazing that when my muscles now just learn the appropriate muscle to fire, the appropriate moment, suddenly these things that I thought I was not strong enough to lift myself up, it's like, oh no, I just, I didn't know how to use my body appropriately and suddenly I'm plenty strong to do it. And so, yeah, it's just been such a wild experience. And the other day I had that thought of this is impossible and I just stopped myself and I was like, no, it's just step one. That's step one of any worthwhile pursuit. Once upon a time, walking felt absolutely impossible, and we're (laughs) a baby on the floor, and you're like, how the heck do they do that? You know, like, look at them just, whoa, she's running. Like, everything is impossible until we do it. I love that so much. And do you think part of the
0: thinking of, well, it's impossible, so I'm not going to try, is due to the fear of rejection, is due to the fear of feeling badly about yourself and then if you've worked on that internal dialogue that tells you um, you're not good enough and you've tried to push out that um, by having certain failures or by going after something and failing then starts to um,
1: make this voice even louder. And so they're like, well, I don't want this voice to get louder, so I'm not gonna try. 100%. I think that those voices, I mean, it's like mini PTSD, maybe not even mini. It's, it's like a PTSD syndrome mm. where it's like you start to get to a point and then your past experience almost takes over your mind because those are the, the wires in your brain that work. They say, well, we've felt this before. We know where this leads. We do not like this. Stop. It's impossible. It's too scary. You're not good enough. Don't even try. You know, but it's it's so amazing how the more, like I said, I've learned to like to be a student mm. because I've now been through that process enough that my wires in my brain, through a lot of work, it's not like this naturally happened, but now they tell me, they remind me oh, no, you've felt this before, but remember when you got past it and then you did something that you never knew you could do and how amazing that felt. And then you got to share it with people. And then people said, wow, that really inspired me in that moment that you overcame that. Suddenly the wires are connecting in a whole new way, but it's really hard to make those things rewire at first. It's literally just the process of trusting, putting one foot in front of the other. When you're scared, you have to talk yourself through the process or journal yourself through the process, like whatever it is, or talk to a therapist to get you past that first hump until, you know, because I mean, I I studied therapy for actually a couple of years in college. And they say that the most powerful experience you have in your court is doing something right. And so you have to get past that first experience of doing it right so that then it becomes this like arsenal, this like huge tool in your tool belt of I've done it before so I can do it again. That's why if if you relapse, it's okay because you can remember as you start to take the steps in recovery, I've done this before, I've walked this walk before. Like whatever it is, whether it's learning a new skill or learning to love yourself or learning to be healthy in life, the strongest indicator is that you just have to do it once and then you've got this you know, arsenal for the rest of your life that you've done it before. Oh, I love that. And that you, it doesn't have to be perfect. doesn't have to be perfect.
0: If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal. Like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with hires as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion people I kind of think about it from like okay once upon a time i was so bad i didn't even realize that i was allowing these negative thoughts to come to my mind oh, absolutely. and then over time it's like oh my god i recognized it i it, ign- i saw it coming right and then for me it was never about shutting down that negative voice because i just can't and so i'm like i don't want to set myself up for failure mm. and so i'm like if i if i say you have to get to this point i will worry that I will fail because I don't think I can ever get to the point where the negative voice doesn't exist. So now for me, it's more like, how do you shorten the period of time between the negative voice speaking to you and you telling her to shut up?
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh, I I, I think recognizing the negative voice was so key to my recovery from anorexia. It was the thing that made the difference, I think, of like starting to stop and realize there was an internal voice. Like you said, I didn't even realize it was there. And then also learning to separate myself from it Like I called my eating disorder, Ed, I gave it a name, you know, whether it's like depression or self-deprecation or whatever, like almost seeing it as a separate entity that kind of life has given to you. That's not you. Like, and for when you hear those negative thoughts, you, you get to like talk to it, not as yourself, but almost as like, I don't deserve that you, like, I don't deserve to be talked like that, Ed. I don't believe that about myself anymore. And I'm not going to let you convince me that I am worthless because of this choice or whatever like giving it that separate identity really helped me realize I'm not broken something that life has done to me has brought this into me and I'm going to just keep pushing it away
0: okay let's go deep here because this is so powerful the amount of women and young girls that suffer from eating disorders or unhealthy relationship with food is just untold so actually if you don't mind taking us back to those moments or um taking us back to when started and where you mm. think that evolved from and then i'd really love to start peeling the onion about how you recognized yeah. it and then how you dealt with it
1: you know it's funny i remember when i first started going to therapy for it like it took me a while to realize i had a problem first of all the i think the first indicator for me that something was really wrong and when i finally accepted that i have a problem because You know, my mom had tentatively been saying, hey, I think something's off. Like, have you you know, and I was was like, I'm just healthy. Like, I'm fine. I just exercise and eat really healthy. Like, I just like that, you know? And like, I made all these excuses so much I'd convinced myself that I was fine and nothing was wrong with the fact that I was eating only lettuce and carrots or whatever, you know, Um, but I became so unhappy and I got so sucked into just hating myself. Like literally looking in the mirror and I just hated the girl staring back at me so much um and i think it all set in one day in college when my sister who was my roommate also my biggest cheerleader my best friend all growing up um i always get tearful of this experience because i heard her in the other room with my other roommates and they were all laughing and like hysterically telling a story and i remember just thinking i don't remember the last time i like laughed like that and i don't remember the last time i laughed with them and um i also didn't even have the energy, and I didn't even think I deserved to go in there and figure out what they were talking about. And then my sister came into the room and she jumped on her bed and just started studying and didn't bother to tell me what they were laughing at. you know. And um, I realized I don't know her anymore. Like um, I had become so self-absorbed with this anorexia and this disease that I had lost all my relationships. And in that moment, I realized I'd lost my best friend. And it wasn't because she didn't care about me. It's cause I'd pushed her away enough times because I was so, I was trying to hide, you know, all these like eating habits and calories and things like I'd become a shell of who I once was. And in that moment I was like, something's wrong. This didn't used to be my life. Um, I need to figure out what's wrong. And that's when I started going to therapy and I was willing to fight for my health because of the people I loved. I wanted to love, the, I wanted to love them again fully. And, um, I'm so grateful for like, those little checkpoints in my life. And I realized I'd given up everything and nothing was ever going to fulfill me, I realized, because I'd let go of all the things that actually do fulfill you. Whew,
0: I just Sorry. No, right? just need to take a minute. So I've had an unhealthy relationship with food yeah. Um, I wouldn't go as far as to say anorexia, but maybe borderline. I'm not even sure kind of what like now right. equates oh, to that.
1: There's a gray area. Yeah.
0: I grew up seeing that with my mom. So my mum would eat very little. And I saw, you know, the tie between self-esteem and how we, women treated our own bodies and how we looked as, you know, the yeah. way of feel, either feeling good about ourselves or not. And so if we can help anyone listening right now to yeah. identify can you break down a couple of those things that you were doing in case someone right yeah. now doesn't want to admit it, but if they can see themselves in you or Absolutely. In me. So you even said like you were running on the treadmill and, um, you know, working out like crazy. What other things can be indicators that someone can hear right now to go, Oh, I need help.
1: I think it's the amount of space it takes up in your brain is oh. a huge indicator. Like the amount of time and energy and thought that I put into, like I would walk into a party and the first thing I'd look around for was like, who's the skinniest girl in the room? The, 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 the next thing I'd look at was the type of food. Is there anything here I can eat? Those kind of thoughts filled every thought of my brain. If I was taken on a date, Like we'd sit down and I'd be like almost panicking as I like tried to focus on his conversation and what he was saying and maybe say something myself, but also looking at the main and be like, what the heck can I eat here? And you know, and then when the food would arrive, I'd see the extra butter on it and I'd be like, oh my gosh, like I, you know, freaking out. And how are you supposed to engage with a person at a party or on a date or your sister when she asks you, hey, do you want to go out with us? We're getting, you know, we're going to go get tacos at a food truck. And your first thought is I can't eat tacos so i'm not you know so you make up an excuse and you you can't go you know the amount of times i would weigh myself every day the the time i would spend thinking about how i could you know maybe cut this soup in half and water some of it down to make it less cal like that is a full time job thinking about going home to see my family for thanksgiving and making a preemptive plan of how i would work out ahead of time how i would eat less leading up to thanksgiving so that no one would notice that i didn't eat as much you know like your life gets consumed by it. And like I said, I don't, it's like, how could I not have known that I was anorexic? But it's, it happens slowly. And so before, you know, you know your own brain so well, so it seems normal. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was really interesting. I was talking to my mom one day and I was like, when I was first realizing I was anorexic and she just said, Lindsay, that's not, normal to like think these kind of thoughts all the time. So I think just Mm -hmm. the amount of space it takes up in your brain and for me, it overcame everything. My passions didn't matter anymore, my relationships, because all I could handle was balancing calories, scales, you know, making plans, always. I didn't expect that as
0: your initial answer and it hit me so strong because you're right, it takes up the brain space. Absolutely. And the normal part actually is so powerful. I really hope people uh, really heard that because we do adopt a way of thinking to make our behavior feel okay. Exactly. And so by saying it's normal makes us then be okay with the behavior and not then feel shame, embarrassment, or even guilt. Like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing this to myself. Like we don't, none of us want to feel like that. Right. So by thinking of it as normal, allows us to not feel the guilt or the shame or anything that may come with the eating disorder. right? And it was the thing that I remember, as you were talking, I was like, wow, that's so powerful. I remember thinking I was normal because I saw my mum do it. I saw my sister drinking Slim Fast. That goes to show you how old I am. (laughs) But, um, and I remember not thinking that it was weird because people
1: around me were all worried about weight and eating in different ways. Everybody is today. So it does feel very normal. You Mm. see, the way that certain women are shaped and it's, you know, and everybody thinks that's what everybody's supposed to be when that's not necessarily normal for everybody. Yeah, yeah. You know?
0: That's so true. And hearing like the the small things where it's like, look, this isn't normal. Like weighing yourself, where weigh you I don't know if you did this, but like, I made sure I peed first. I made sure my underwear was off in case right. any of the pee or the underwear was ever going to skew the scale. That isn't fucking normal. That is not yeah. healthy, I will say. Well,
1: and to get a dopamine hit by seeing the scale go down one degree and be like, oh, like the excitement of, who, who cares? These are numbers, whatever. Like, you know, and like looking in the mirror and pinching your sides, wondering if there's like a little extra fat, like, Who cares in the grand scheme of things? Mm. And when these things that are so inconsequential and really, one, don't make you happy because I was so freaking skinny and I've never been more unhappy, you know? Like I was, I I don't even wanna go into how much I weighed, but it's like, when was it ever gonna be enough? It never was because it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Mm. And when you kind of take back the layers like that and realize who wants to live a life where everything you value actually doesn't matter? that's what leads to like extreme unhappiness. And we all, and it's kind of interesting cause you know, I, after all these years, I've broken it down to like, why did I become anorexic? And I, it's, I think at the end of the day, it's cause I wanted to be loved. I wanted to feel like I was, you know, and I felt like if I was really thin, it would make me worthy of being loved, more so admired. But in my mind that was loved. Mm-hmm. And yet all the things I did to achieve this goal of being thin actually took me in the opposite direction of what the initial goal was. I I wasn't loved by really anybody because I had become so self-absorbed in this disease. And so it's like, yeah, we have these goals that we think are gonna take us towards what we actually want, which is happiness and love. And we get so caught up in the journey sometimes and the things that we forget what we actually went out to accomplish in the first place because we're so far over here now consumed by all the details, which don't even matter. I love that because
0: I think it's the details that we convince ourselves are the small moments that we feel great. Yes. Right? So it's like we feel utterly unloved. We don't feel good enough. We don't think we're worthy of anything. And then you just jump on the scale and it's like, oh, my God, I'm down half a pound. Right. In that moment, when you feel so bad about yourself in so many other areas, there becomes this small microscopic moment where you can feel good enough. Yeah. But to your point, it only spirals out of control. And so you actually have a quote that, honestly, homie, it knocked me for six. You said, finally, you were finally willing to fight for happiness. I've never heard of it spoken like that. And I love the fact that um, happiness is something you have to work for. Like, Mm -hmm. I actually really like that because a lot of us, and I did too, think, well, I should, my baseline should be happy Mm -hmm. and it's like, actually i think what makes us happy are also the down moments are also yeah. potentially the struggles um but finally deciding hey i am here i am not happy and i choose happiness so what does that look like for me oh it means i have to work through this disease that i am currently you know suffering from um, I think is so powerful. How did you then start to, once you decided, so one, this moment where your sister's the closest person to you, you, you no longer know, really know each other, you recognize, oh, there's something here I need to address now. So that's like the sledgehammer, right? Like the right. moment of awakening, if you will. Then you decide to choose happiness. How do you actually then
1: start to take those steps towards happiness? Oh, it's going to look a little different for everyone, but I remember... I, I kind of did everything, <laughs> I, you know, and to this day, I, I feel like I've done most of the mental health practices Ooh. out there, because I've almost now made it like a, it's almost like a side hobby for me to like find ways to better my mind. I love reading self-help books and stuff, but the first steps were I went to therapy That's what you do, you know, you go to a therapist. And, you know, and therapy was really hard for me because I remember I felt like I didn't even deserve to be in therapy. They kept searching for the why. Like, did someone call you fat when you were younger? Or, you know, but I just was like, do I even deserve to have an eating disorder? Because like I had great parents. I had a wonderful childhood. No one ever called me fat. Like I've always fit in my clothes. I don't deserve to be anorexic. Why am I? But when I stopped worrying about the why, you know, I've now, in in years past, like, I finally, I feel like, figured it out. But it doesn't even matter, the why. The most important thing I did was actually going to group therapy. Mm -hmm. Sitting in the room with other women who, you know, once I realized that my mind wasn't normal, I felt so isolated. It went from being like, I'm normal, to like, I'm a freak. Now I I don't feel like I relate to anybody. No one can understand this mind that I have. And then hearing all these other women, like, share basically their version of my exact same story was so powerful to me to help me recover. And then that I think was when things really started to, you know, inch forward of like, I can do this. I'm listening to these other stories. I got a mentor, like another girl who had previously been anorexic who would, you know, we'd chat occasionally. Um, But going to group therapy was terrifying. So it felt so exposing. And I think that's one of the most important things I did. I'd also just, and I don't, no one told me to do this, but I just started, listening to that inner dialogue and that was huge for me and I remember because the dialogue was so bad in my head I would take moments every day when none of my roommates were home and I could stand in the bathroom mirror I shared an apartment with six girls so find a moment when nobody was home and I would talk to myself in the mirror and I'd look myself in the eye and just say you're beautiful like you are smart and your body is strong you know you need to feed it and I would just tell myself the things that I did not believe Um, because my brain categorized them as lies. You know, we have the truth bucket in our brain and the lie bucket. And all these thoughts that I was thinking would go into the truth bucket. And all these things I was saying and forcing myself to go in the lie bucket. Mm. But once you say them enough and you look yourself in the eye enough and you hear enough in therapy and you read enough of these self-help books, suddenly it starts to wire as well, maybe that is true. And it starts to go into the truth bucket and that's when you actually start to change. But it takes a while of feeling like you're just walking through the motions and listening to a bunch of hodgepodge and people are telling you what they want you to believe and not what Mm -hmm. you do believe. And, you know, it takes a while of that till it becomes like, maybe there is some truth to this. Maybe I am smart. Maybe I am, maybe I do have worth. Maybe calories aren't everything, you know, like it takes a while, but it will happen if you keep with it.
0: Thank you for that breakdown. That was beautiful. Like the tooth bucket and the lie bucket is so powerful. Um, So as you start to break this down, you start to um, really rewire. I'd love to actually discuss triggers because I don't think this is ever, at least for myself and many women that I've spoken about when it comes to eating, it's not like alcohol where you can actually cut it out of your life, right? Right. If you've got, um, and I've never been an alcoholic. In fact, let me just actually say that disclaimer. But... I, the way that I think about it is if you have an issue with alcohol, you can choose not to have alcohol in the house. You can choose not to go to bars, but food is ever freaking present. Right. And it's been so wired into who we are from childhood, where we get the lollipop when you go to the dentist, right? So you get given the sugar. So A, we have a relationship with food where it, um, can tell us a message like, oh, this will make you feel better. Mm -hmm. Um, Or this can take the pain away, right? Some people turn to food to heal the pain. Some people remove food to heal the pain. Right. The control aspect. How did you then work through, or how do you still work through, moments of making sure that this, in moments of, if you have a failure, that then you don't spiral into, oh my God, this means I'm not good enough, which means then I have to restrict my calories, and now you've gone into very, very old behavior and old yeah. patterns.
1: You know, it's, I feel like it's just a constant process. Mm-hmm. And I, I know myself so well now that I, I recognize when things are off. Now I can be like, cause I feel like my mood is the first thing I notice and the thoughts mm-hmm. and the mood, mm-hmm. they precede the really bad behavior, Okay. you know? And so now I've started to catch it at that phase of like, I'm thinking really bad thoughts about myself and my body that's not the norm anymore. I don't like that. You know, it's like, oh, I'm starting to, um, you know, my mood is starting to um, be affected. Oh, I'm probably actually, I'm probably not eating quite enough. I'm probably, mm. you know, like I sense the way that my food affects my mental health. I see the way that my thoughts affect my food. Like I've now can tell the patterns, but it's taken a lot of time to do that. And I've, I guess, I've just learned to notice my triggers, which is. Um, stress when I start to really stress about like whether it's an album release or if something's not doing as well, and I start to feel out of control. Like, oh my gosh, I don't, like, I, I can't control this outcome over here. So my first instinct is to control this thing over here. And I've also just noticed I have restrictive behaviors. So sometimes I may not even be restricting food. Like there was a chunk of time where I started restric- restricting sleep the same way I used to restrict food. And it was a way I could almost like, you know, the same way it was once upon a time, like how many calories can Mm. I like cut from my diet? It was almost like how little sleep can I live on and still function? So I realized I just have a restrictive mindset and I have to remind myself that like it will destroy my life if I restrict, I become unhappy, I start to hate myself, you know? So I've just started to notice these patterns that are so strong and now I just notice them very quickly, but I, I will always have to manage them
0: that's so powerful because I think it's really important to know that it becomes this, like, you just have to keep going. You have just to keep practicing, know thyself. Yeah. Like the And more- you're going to
1: fall off the horse, and it's okay because, again, you'll be like, well, I've done this before. I've walked this walk before, and I can get back on this horse. I know I can.
0: Um, uh, I actually have an amazing quote um, that goes with that because so many of us would think that of that as a failure, right? We right. see ourselves in a certain way. So whether it's success, whether it's a relationship where you've been in a relationship and it's been abusive and then you leave and then you think, oh my God, I keep failing at these relationships. And so now you're more reluctant to get into a new relationship. Like All the failures make us feel a certain way in being hesitant to start something new. Right. And it's in that starting something new and being the student that you said earlier that gets us to be Lindsay freaking Sterling that can stand in front of 10,000, 30,000, 100,000 people, do. YouTube videos that get billions of views because you keep going, because you keep freaking getting back up, homie. And I got this quote that I just loved. The key to success is the ability to rise from failure. Success is someone that can rise again and again and get stronger each time. It took me many times to learn that lesson, but by gosh, I'm glad I didn't give up.
1: Absolutely, I love that.
0: So when you say, I'm glad I didn't give up, as you keep falling, and you keep getting up, right? You've already expressed that like, look, it becomes easier because you realize it doesn't define you. You can keep getting up. You can keep getting better if you're the student. Was it the fact that you were so in love with your profession? Was it that you were so in love with playing the violin? You had something that every day got you to focus on and that allowed you to say, I'm so glad, like, keep going, keep going. Because again, I'm trying to think about that person at home right now of like having a North Star for me. And I call it my North Star. Having a North Star gets me up every day. It gets me to say, Lisa, you feel badly about yourself today, but that's okay. Because one day you're going to get to here. You're going to help that 14-year-old girl that doesn't feel good about herself. That's my North Star. So every day when I don't feel good, I just say, but I have such a freaking strong North Star that no... Shit talking in my own head is ever gonna get in my way of me showing up every day for that 14 year old girl. So when I think about the craft, your yeah. art, your performance, it, it, isn't, it is music, but I've seen how you've impacted young girls, like how you've, just what you do really impacts has like this massive knock on effect from young girls to other women, to other people that can now believe that it's possible. Okay, so is it the fact that you have such a strong North Star that's allowed you to keep pushing forward to then finally get to, I'm glad I didn't give up?
1: I think I've always had a pretty strong North Star, and it's a combination of, like, I love what I do. I love, you know, it comes to me as storytelling. I Mm -hmm. love getting to like make a beginning, middle, end of a song, of a music video, of a show. I loved, I was born to entertain from the time I was tiny. I've always wanted to like tell a joke or make people (laughs) laugh or play my violin. Like, I just love entertaining. So that's been a huge North star for me. But I think the biggest North star is kind of like almost what you were just saying If I decided early on, right as I started to see that things were becoming successful, I was like, I want to be a light in this world. I want to share hope. I want to share happiness. Um, and you know, I always do try to do that through my music, like have motifs and metaphors and things that hopefully will encourage people to like believe in themselves a little bit more. When someone leaves a show, I always hope that of course they're thoroughly entertained, but almost more so I want them to leave with that buzzy feeling that I've felt at certain shows where they're like... I can do anything i want that thing that i have wanted to do i can do and so just being that for people has always been a huge part of my north star and especially i was just overcoming anorexia when i first really started to like take off um, and i remember thinking like i i always i don't want to shy away from this topic because i feel like that's a way i can be a light like i've always had these little things that were my light to share and my music is my my mode to share it and I think you're so right that as long as you've got the why behind what you do, like, why do I do this? Well, I love to entertain and I love to uplift. Then it kind of makes those days, because even now, some days I'm like, I, this is really hard and I do not feel like practicing today. Or maybe I'm going through a, like a time when I'm just a little depressed, like it happens. And I'm like, I have no motivation right now. Well, I can get up and I can, I can play my violin for 20 minutes right now. I can practice 20 minutes, got it. Okay, for the why, mm. you know? And the, so it's, it's all about the why for me. So you just said when you do it, when you have like moments of depression, how do
0: you deal with those moments? And obviously, you just shared one tip, which is amazing. Um, because when people are going through it, it does feel like all hope is lost. Mm-hmm. And you talk very eloquently about hope and about like having the hope that you know you're going to get there and you're going to do it. And hope can really take us through so many tough times. And depression is one of those things, especially these days, mm-hmm. where it's it's becoming more and more prominent. Um, do you um, have any moments like that now? And if so, um, what are those steps that maybe people can take right now? Um, I know you say you journal things like that. Yeah.
1: I mean, I feel like mental health is such a, a wave. It's not like I got through anorexia and depression mm-hmm. and then I'm like, oh, I made it through mm-hmm. and occasionally I have a you know, but it, it's more like for some reason, sometimes you're having a hard time and there's not even a reason why. And again, for me, then I'm like, well, if there's not even a reason why, I feel super ungrateful. And then that feeds my depression even more because I'm like, there's no reason I should be sad. I have everything I should have to be happy, but I am depressed. And so when I go through those little stints, I've just learned to see them as like, you know what? This is a little phase. It's a little bump. Um, and that doesn't mean it's gonna last forever. It could be a day, it could be a week. Who knows, it might be a really rough month. And, I, and there doesn't always have to be a why, mm. it just is the way it is. And giving myself permission to say, this is a rough time for now and I need to like let myself have that. But at the same time, I do, especially when I'm going through times like that journal and just like almost free write and express maybe, you know, why I'm feeling this way. What am I feeling? And even if there is no why, just like expressing what it is and like maybe telling myself I'm choosing to let go of this. I'm choosing to let go of not being enough and like writing that out to like just kind of connect those wires in my brain. I'm such a big believer in like doing whatever you can to create the thought pattern you want to believe um, until you believe it. Um, That's a big thing for me and just... Like I said, um, I've really adopted the mantra of like, I showed up today and that sometimes is enough. Like it doesn't have to be perfect. And f- the perfect example is like, when I have had to like prepare for a tour, but I may be going through a tough time. It's like, well, I can, pra- I can do anything for 20 minutes. I can practice that routine for 20 minutes then I'll take a break. Then I can practice it 20 minutes later. You know, like doing things mm. in small bite sizes. So it's not like, but I have to practice and learn this entire routine today. It's like, well, Let's just focus on like doing it for 20 minutes. And then maybe I'll call a friend. And then when I have a little bit more energy, I'm gonna do it again. You know, just really bite sizing it down. And I think just giving yourself permission though is the biggest thing.
0: I literally was about to use that, that phrase that you said, it hit me very hard. And it's funny how a lot of us, I've heard this a lot now and I say it too girl, giving ourselves permission, even just saying it is so freeing. Yeah. Like, I almost think like if someone could sit right now, because I I love thinking in real time about strategies, like if someone could sit in real time and be like, what are all the things I'm struggling with? And now just right next to it, I'd give myself permission. Yeah. Like how much of a change that would do to our mindset? Because again, you've said it before, right? It's like thoughts are just thoughts. It's like when you think about like it being our brain is in a black box right? It's it's taking signals from our eyes, from our nose, from what we hear, right? What we smell, what we see, and it's interpreting it and making up a story.
1: Absolutely. And so
0: by whatever story we're telling ourselves, we can change that story. If we think that we're not good enough, you can then say, I am, what am I good enough in? And then, or say, not yet, or
1: say, I give myself freaking permission. Right. And like, you know, and it's funny, you just kind of figure out what is it that you're feeling, give yourself permission to feel it, and then say like, where do we wanna go? Like, you know, just last night I was journaling, cause I have been just having a little bit of a like a funk the last few weeks. And mm-hmm. I, again, telling myself, that's okay. Mm-hmm. And maybe even delving into like, it could be a little bit triggered because of this. Okay, I'm gonna give myself permission to feel that. Mm-hmm. And then also saying like, I'm gonna surrender. I'm gonna surrender this need that I feel like to be perfect and to be on top of everything and to like, you know, I'm gonna surrender that and realize I can't control everything. And right, today that's where I'm at and that's okay. Close the journal, oh and then add in there and I'm grateful for these three things that happened today. These were three great things that happened even though it wasn't a great day. Like finding ways to look at the positive but also not like, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person just cause you're having a hard time being full of happiness and gratitude. Like even though like there's so much worse happening in the world and nowadays we're like, oh these are such first world problems that I'm dealing with. Sure, realize that, but also it's your life and it's that's hard for you right now. So that's okay if you're feeling sad about it or if it's causing you to be discouraged.
0: Oh my God, I love that you said that because so I think we minimize the things that we're going through by comparing them to other things. Totally. And that is the thing that I think is the problem with us right now, right? Where it's yeah. like we don't feel the right to feel bad about what we're going through and now we don't feel the right so now we feel even more shame. Eve, It spirals. It spirals. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, mental health is the most important thing that all of us can focus on, in my opinion, because Mm -hmm. that then dictates who we are, how we show up, how we treat other people, the types of relationships we have, our career, all of that. Um, And so if we don't focus on our mental health, then we're not able to then do all these other things over here. Um, And so by comparing ourselves to other people, I think diminishes what we're going through.
1: Yeah,
0: I think it lessens the weight of what we're going through and i don't think it serves us no. by diminishing it um and it's interesting i love to talk to you about gratitude because i've got a love hate relationship with gratitude Ooh. so i was a stay-at-home <laughs> wife tell me more <laughs> Be- before we started Quest nutrition i was a stay-at-home wife for eight years yeah and i was supporting my husband i was cooking i was cleaning i was putting clothes out for him and every day I absolutely hated it. I didn't. I went to film school, I wanted to be a filmmaker. I had no desires yeah. or dreams to be a stay-at-home wife. And again, that is no slight on anyone. It wasn't my it wasn't dream. Yours. Yeah. So every day I didn't feel like I was aligned with who I wanted to be. And every day, the first couple of years, I was like, be so grateful, Lisa. You have a husband that loves you more than life itself how lucky are you to have this other people don't Mm -hmm. and then year two it was like oh my god i hate my life i'm miserable but how grateful are you to have a roof over your head because other people don't have a roof over your head and so this became a self-soothing way of Mm. every day i would show up hate my life and self-soothe with gratitude to ease the pain that i was going through and what it led to was eight years of profound happiness because I ended up using the gratitude piece to keep me exactly where I was. And that voice in my head was going from, you know, no, 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 you're grateful, to how ungrateful are you? You want another life? You want a different life? When you have a husband that loves you, how ungrateful are you? Mm -hmm. And so the gratitude piece, I like almost like want to be very careful on because it can be so damn powerful to your point when you're having a hard day, reorienting to how beautiful life can be but also being aware
1: of the fact that it may hold us back for asking for more. I have been thinking about this a lot lately. Have you? Yes, the difference between being grateful for where you're at and being okay with knowing that you want more Mm. is such a fine line. And I remember I came to this realization recently where I was like, oh my gosh, I got to a point in my career where I was like, no, 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 I don't want, like, I don't need, A Grammy and I don't even want it or I I don't need to grow my craft anymore That's like selfish of me to like think that I should get more in this industry I should just be grateful, but I think they're two totally separate things and You can dream you can want more you can work towards it and you can like know that you're missing something in your life while knowing still that you have everything over here Mm. in your life. Like you can have both and one doesn't have to affect the other, even though like you said, it's really hard to almost feel like gratitude is a band-aid, but um, it doesn't have to be. And I I I, I do a gratitude journal and it was kind of a life-changing experience for me to like write in this gratitude journal, just the simplicity of three things every night. I noticed how it did start to make my brain trained basically to look for the good in life. Mm -hmm. It didn't mean that I didn't see the things that were bad, but it meant that I was just by every day thinking, what are the things today I was grateful for? Finding them, writing them down, feeling a moment for them, good. It's like it trained my mind throughout the day to like be looking for those things because it knew every night subconsciously I'm gonna have Mm. to try to find those. And so I think there's so much power and gratitude but I I think you bring up a really good point that it shouldn't be a band-aid for like the things that you are unsatisfied with that you can change.
0: Mm -hmm. Because I've heard you say you get what you focus on.
1: Absolutely. And so
0: if you're focused on like, no, 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 my life is fine. Like, I'm so grateful for this. Well, you're never going to focus on what else can I do? How do right. I better? How do I go for that dream or that goal or the person I want to be, the skill set? Like, whatever yeah. it is, how do you propel yourself forward if you're always soothing yourself that where you are is fine? Now, look, I'm the pious person that holds two com- competing ideas in my head at the same time because I find them very powerful. Yeah. I love my life. I wouldn't change a thing. And yet I'm unhappy with my life and I want to change everything. Like, but that's what freaking so drives cool. me is yeah. that I go to bed every night, very content. I put my head on my my husband's shoulder. I'm happy as can be. Cause all I act, like I'll burn my business to the ground. My husband is my North star ultimately. So mm-hmm. I know that I'm very clear of that. He knows that he's very clear on that. Um, But i wake up every day saying what are you gonna do today lisa you said you want to help that 14 year old girl you better show up and help that 14 year old girl so it's like i don't think it has to be either or, but i don't think i think that most people lean into have gratitude as the most beautiful thing and they're not necessarily looking at the possibility that it's trapping you
1: Mm. into but i'm happy here so i should be happy in the rest of my life yeah no that's a really good very powerful point like so much of life is about polarity You know, we're told to like work hard and chase our dreams, but also enjoy life and take time for yourself and self-care. You know, so it's like there's always these competing things like, well, how much do I relax and take care of myself? And how much do we become a workhorse where I like don't sleep? Like, you know, so Mm. life is about just finding the balance between very conflicting ideas and making them match each other so that you do become a balanced person who's like hardworking and wants more, but also is so grateful. Like, I think that's that's a really powerful th- point. And I've never thought about that with gratitude in that way. So that's yeah. cool.
0: Thank you. Um, I'd love to talk to you about matters of the heart Ooh.
1: because one, I think someone's
0: like, your videos are fucking epic, homie. Like, you're, you're, you are just glowing in so many beautiful ways and impacting the world that I'm sure going to this, like, have everything. I would love to talk to you about relationships because I've never really heard you speak about relationships. So, yeah. A, are you in a relationship? And then, how, what are you willing to share? Because again, I think if I'd love to know, is that important to you? Are you actually focusing on it? I have so many
1: questions. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, I actually don't get asked much about relationships, probably because. I guess I don't, I also don't write about relationships. My music is all more like, you know, whimsical and magical. Mm. I very rarely have ever written a song about love. So that's probably why no one ever asks me about it, but it's always been one of the most important things to me. And I guess I, I definitely put it to the side when I was like chasing my career. I would say that first, like, you know, Five years of my career, I worked so, so freaking hard. I didn't have time for really much anything else in my life. Definitely not a relationship. But you know, aside from that, like I've always wanted a family. I've always known I'm I'm a life partner type of person. And although I'm I'm single right now, I'm not dating anybody right now, but it's definitely something that I I guess I I say I focus on in terms of like I I manifest it. I put energy into it. I journal about it. Like I try to put it into my my thoughts of like putting it into the world and hoping that that comes back to me when the time is right, mm-hmm. you know. And I, um, but yeah, dating is is really hard. And I think for anyone in this day and age, um, you know, living in LA, I think makes it a little bit more tricky, possibly. But but it's something that's so important to me. And I really do. I'm like, I want to have kids. I want to have a family. And it's always been something that I. I want, and um, I go back and forth between reminding myself that like, you know, the, the path I've chosen has probably made it a little bit more difficult for me to find that mm-hmm. husband. Um, and even though that, that is hard for me to swallow sometimes, I'm like, but if I could do it all again, I would choose the same things. And although I really, I balance between like, I really think I will find that person, mm-hmm. and I hope I will, I want that, but also reminding myself that like, if I never did, that doesn't mean I can't still live a full, happy, fulfilled life. And it kind of comes back to like bloom where you're planted. I have like amazing nieces mm-hmm. and nephews who I love so much. And I've decided to like prioritize like, okay, well, so I don't have my own family. Like for my birthday this year, I went and stayed with my sister, um, the same sister that I roomed with in college and her little kids. Cause I just wanted to be with family. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, if I don't have my own family to invest in right now and my own kids to raise, I'm going to, relish in the fact that i have my sister's kids as my nieces and nephews and really put attention and time into those relationships because um i can either focus on what i don't have or i can really bloom where i'm planted and realize i have a rich full life and i still think that other part will come when it's time have you ever gone through heartbreak i have um and i you know i definitely think those last with us you know i've gone through several breakups that were really hard i think the hardest one for me was, um, and I, I really actually never talked about this before publicly, but my keyboard player, who was my best friend, and he played. Key- he was my first keyboard player ever. We toured the world together for like three and a half years. Just became so, so close, and he was my best friend. But I loved him dearly. Like, I never even told him that, because I always thought, you know, when the time is right, like, you know. But I always kind of thought we would end up together, um, and he passed away, and it was just... Um, I don't know how you recover from that you know and it's been it's been years and I miss him dearly Um, but I think that's almost kind of in a way what I'm waiting for is someone who makes me feel that same way that he made me feel which I just haven't found since and I know that every relationship is different but um, certain people make you they bring out your sparkle Mm -hmm. and um, so it's almost like this blessing and a curse because I'm like I know what I can feel Mm -hmm. and Now it makes it so that you can't accept less than what you know you have the capacity to feel.
0: That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I've heard that, you know, he'd passed away. I didn't realize, you know, you obviously sharing that you felt the love um, really kind of almost makes that story even more heartbreaking. Um, And that was gonna be my second thing. like, how do you not settle? Um, because a lot of women do settle for either abusive relationships or relationships that, you know, maybe are trying to fill their cup because they need that validation, but actually they're not in love with them. Like, so many people end up settling in relationships that aren't right for them. Um, And being, I think, a um, strong, powerful woman also means being able to not go with the people that are going to bring them down or change them for the negative or try to be destructive or toxic but to wait for that person that is right for them yeah. um do you then think that like i i know what love feels like and so i'm not going to accept anything less
1: absolutely i I think that's why i'm honestly it's probably why i'm still single um but at the same time it's like i've I've waited for 35 you know years at this point i I'm not going to settle for anything less than what I felt before. Um, But also, you know, you think about the people that you love to be around in your life that do make you feel great, like my sisters or, Mm. you know, my best friends. And it's like, why would I settle for less in my partner relationship, the most important relationship of my life with someone who doesn't make me feel as good and as fulfilled as like, obviously, every relationship has its own version, and its own place. But like, you know, you should expect the same as from a partner more so even than with the other relationships that fulfill you that you've gotten to choose in your life. Um, And so, you know, and I've been through, um, in a way, like I've been through an abusive relationship before, and I remember my sister when it, it, I finally confided in her what was happening and like I made the choice that I was done and I remember her just being like, you know, it's, it's crazy cause you always hear about people who go through emotional or abusive relationships of some kind and you just think, why would they put up with that? Like how could they not be strong enough to stand up for themselves? And she, and she mentioned that like, I see you as one of the most strong women in the world. Like you're successful, you're talented, you're smart, you're brilliant. Like, you know, this is my sister talking to me and she says, it just is really eye opening to see that that could even happen to you it can happen to anybody and it doesn't need to make you feel weak it definitely made me feel weak when i realized like oh my gosh i'm i've been in an abusive relationship and i've been choosing this and you know and the courage it took to leave but like it doesn't mean you're weak it happens slowly and it it can happen to anybody Mm -hmm. so it gave me a lot of empathy for women and a lot of understanding but also at the end of the day I am so grateful for the loving relationships in my life that made me check myself and even though he told me what was happening was normal for me to be like but that isn't normal you know and being able to confide in my sister and tell her something that happened and for her to say again just like my anorexia Linz that's not normal and that is not okay for someone to do that like, do you mind sharing it? Obviously, I don't want to. If it's I mean, content. I was. it wasn't an abusive physical relationship, but um, it was very verbally and emotionally, like manipulative and narciss- he was, you know, a narciss- narcissist, like um, fully. And the yelling and screaming, you know, like he would yell, if we got enough argument, it would turn into him yelling at me for an hour, just calling me names, like degrading me, you know? And I remember when I asked my sister one day, I just said, you know, does your husband ever yell at you? And she, you know, she was like, well, there was one time he raised his voice, but he like, he apologized, Mm -hmm. you know? And I was just like, oh my gosh, this happens to me on the weekly, maybe Mm -hmm. daily. Like, what? Um, You know, but it had happened so slowly that you start to think it's, you know, and he would tell me, couples fight. Mm -hmm. Couples fight, Linz, this happens. It's what couples do, you know? But no, (laughs) that's not normal, you know? And like kind of regaining that sense of normalcy Um, you know, thankfully saved me to realize I don't want to spend the rest of my life being yelled at. (laughs) Mm. How did you then get the strength
0: to leave? Because as you were saying it, right, like I started to believe that I was weak. Yeah. Um, And I think that that's also the big part where they, they, uh, some people find that, okay, I've now recognized this isn't normal, this isn't a healthy relationship, but they don't have the confidence or the courage or they don't think they're strong enough to then make those steps because, let's face it, sadly, and I've been in one of these manipulative relationships before my husband, was that, you know, you'll never find someone that's going to love you as much as I love you. And then you're like, oh, shit, what if I don't? Am I going to be alone for the rest of, like, this? the 16-year-old girl that was insecure thought
1: that. Well, also, I was in my 30s at the time, so mm. it was like, maybe I won't find someone uh-huh. else. Like, and I remember he would always tell me, like, your life is hard, Lindsay, you know, and like, I put up with it. And I finally mm. realized, like, my life is wonderful, and I've worked really hard for my life. Like, I have, a, like, it might not be for everyone. It might be hard for certain people to deal with, the, like, kind of schedule I lead. And sure, it's not, it's not maybe. The average life, but at the same time, I'll find someone who loves my life Mm -hmm. and I deserve that. Um, Like, finally, those light bulbs started to go on that, like, yeah, what you're saying is true for you. You put up with my life, but that doesn't mean someone else has to put up with my life. Yeah, you know, and also it kind of came down to the fact of like how unhappy I was in this relationship and realizing Mm. if I'm alone for the rest of my life, it would be better than this. And i remember i actually one a very key moment for me was i remember we went to the the jimmy kimmel show it was my first time doing his show big bucket list i was so excited and um he got upset at me backstage and in my little dressing room he closed the door and and yelled at me for a while and um it ruined that memory i remember going on to jimmy kimmel like literally wiping tears away like smiling and just playing and then afterwards like he had left and I went home by myself. He took our car and I didn't, you know, I had to take an Uber home from Jimmy Kimmel um, by myself. And just being so like, you know, and then I shortly after that was about to go on Dancing with the Stars and he asked me, do I get to come backstage with you and hang out? And I thought to myself, I don't want you backstage. Mm. And it was like such a awakening moment of like, remembering what had happened at Kimmel and so many other experiences that he had ruined that were special to me and realizing, if I don't want my person backing me up in these really stressful situations, what the heck do I have them around for? Like, if that's my first thought, is like, what if you get mad at me back there? And that's when we broke up. <laughs> I was like, I, I deserve a life with a partner that supports me, or I deserve to freaking live on my own.
0: Help! Me, dude, that's so damn powerful. And as you were saying, I was like, oh, it was a total power play on his part. As you were saying, like, he did that a lot with the, I think, I can't remember the exact words you just used, but it was something like he did that a lot with the, uh, a lot of the happy memories or the happy mm. moments. And just in having done a lot of, ther- you know, uh, interviews with therapists in full relationship, that's the power play, right? Mm. Where it's like in these moments where the, the spotlight is on you, the insecure narcissist has to impact that there's no way a narcissist will ever let the spotlight be on you right. and so making it about the argument taking the car is all very deliberate acts of a narcissist trying to take your power away mm-hmm. and so many and again like just so many women uh, suffer from this have these issues where they're with somebody where they feel like they can't get out and you'd said it earlier which was it just hit me so hard where you said like your sister saw you as being strong and this Just because you're in a bad relationship, guys, it doesn't mean that you're freaking weak. It doesn't mean that at all. It doesn't mean that you're weak. It
1: literally happened to anybody. And it also means that you are, like, I was trying to fight for love. I was trying to be, you know, that's pretty strong. You know, I I finally realized that it wasn't worth fighting for. But, um, you know, it doesn't mean that, I love that you said, it doesn't mean that you're weak. Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, it's like we all want to be loved so badly that we'll almost do anything to be loved, include putting up with unhappiness, like being unhappy in a relationship because you want to be loved. But it's like, there are other relationships that can fulfill you outside of being in a romantic one or having that partner, that, that committed life partner. You know, like I said, my sisters, my friends, like you're able, by not being in that toxic relationship, I was able to lean more into my friends and, fulfill myself in that way. And so even right now, I'm single, but I still have wonderful relationships that make me feel full and a lush life. And so if you feel this thought of like, well, I'll never be loved again. Like what I am in my mid thirties, maybe I won't find a life partner. Well, who the heck cares? Because I was so unhappy. Like just remember that the ultimate goal that we're all searching for is we wanna be happy And we get so caught up in the weeds of whether it's being anorexic and counting calories or whether it's like being in a toxic relationship because we think that's all going to lead us to happiness. But at the end of the day, usually you're so unhappy when you get lost in the weeds like that. There are other ways to feel loved.
0: Freaking love that. Um, And... In the craft that you do and the way that you show up like everything you've just shared with us um i do believe we are an echo of our past and the things we've gone through and how we show up every day and so you to be sitting here right now and be sharing this like because you're promoting you're oh my god i'm so excited if you don't mind telling us about your tour like i I love everything you're doing, homie, and I think that what you're doing now wouldn't be possible if you hadn't gone through all the things you've just beautifully shared with us. Um, so talk to us about Snow Waltz. Tell us where we can find it, and like just, your music video is fucking epic. Guys, if you haven't seen it, you've got to go bloody check out her oh, music video. You. It is a piece of art.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Um, well, I love Christmas, and so this is actually my second Christmas album because I love Christmas so much. And, um, Yeah, I mean, it's got a combination of classic Christmas songs and covers, um, but also some originals on it. And I think my favorite thing about it is like when you do a Christmas album, there's these songs out there that have all been covered hundreds of times. Like there's hundreds of versions of Joy to the World, you know, so it's like, how do I make my version? Like I always think of that. Why would anyone want to listen to my version? Like, especially because they're like, their initial thought would be like, there's not even a singer. So why would someone want to listen to it? So it's always a fun challenge to, like, take a song and make the why. Make the reason why mm. somebody would stream it or lips to it or buy it or come to my show. And all the songs on this Christmas album, they've all taken a really unique twist. Like, Joy to the World is very Celtic. It's like a mm. Celtic celebration, which I chose that because... Celtic music I think is the happiest music and it's joy to the world and you know and so every song has like a really unique twist that I put on it that I just think makes it super fun and it you know and again it's like it may not be for everyone cuz it's a very unique take on a lot of Christmas music but the people that love it are going to love it and that's the kind of approach I like to take to my art is like heck I dance and play the violin it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea but the people that are looking for a dancing violinist I'm pretty much your only option, so you're gonna <laughs> love it, you know, because I, I I think I do it well. Um, and you're not gonna please everybody in this life in any way, shape or form. And so I, I love that I just get to do art the way I love to do it. And I, I try to lean fully into that niche. You
0: know, I love it so much. So multiple things, music's so powerful. So whenever we want to, even just with everything we've been even sharing today, right, the journaling, the taking this step by step, like all the beautiful tips that you've given, the music to me is also another powerful tool. Like when I was sad, when I was 16, I would put Celine Dion on and, you know, cry and like Mariah Carey and, you know, all those sad songs. And it would feed into the sadness. It would feed into the, like the the, the crying and, you know, the tears go into ugly cry and I put more music on and I ugly cry even more. Um, and so, but it also goes the other way, that when I'm in the gym, I put on some music that gets me going. And so music is such a powerful tool. So I think that you are a beautiful orchestrator, if I can, um, a conductor, um, to <laughs> to do that, right? Like you really bring this beautiful music and then Christmas has magic to it. it and does. I've heard you talk about the power of magic, just the, the, the power of even believing that something can be magical. Mm. And the fact that you've put these two beautiful things together, the power of magic that to me is definitely Christmas. So tell Tell me about your idea and thoughts on magic and how you implemented that within your Christmas music.
1: Mm, I love that question. I've never been asked anything like that. You know, I love the word magic. Um, I pick a word every year that's like my word for the year. And last year my word was magic. Um, Just trying to find that sparkle in my life again and find the sparkle and mm. potential and dreaming like really dreaming and wishing for things and more so importantly, believing that I deserve them and that I could achieve these dreams. Um, and you know sometimes that dream can be as simple as like, I want to be happy. Sometimes it's like I want to crush it and go out there and start a business. Like dreams can be however big or however small as we want, but I think magic is what makes them possible. And I guess my belief in magic now is it's very tied to like my spirituality. Also, I, I believe very much so in, um, you know, God and angels. And especially after losing my best friend and my dad, I believe that I have these angels around me that like, help me and give me a little bit of extra oomph and power in my day. And I think that we all have them because I think we've got these angels that are our ancestors that have been around us from before we were born. And so they know us so well and they're rooting for us. And it gives me a lot of comfort and power as I approach my life, believing that I've got a team around me like that's rooting for me, that's putting little pieces into place so that I can run into this opportunity or that, you know, if I do my part and if I try to look for the right places to be and the right signs and work hard, like my little angels are like my little team that are going to be around me and buoy me up. And especially with this Christmas album, I I thought about them a lot. Whenever I go into write, I like pray that my angels will, you know, be there and help me and inspire me and give me ideas and help me figure out what people need to hear and put that magic into the music and um and i, I really feel like this album has that sparkle to it
0: it really does like it's i listened to it and i was just like because i'm obsessed with christmas music and um, i have a whole christmas closet i was telling you like it. me and my husband have like christmas matching onesies like it's a whole thing because it brings an emotion it brings the magic mm-hmm. to our adulthood yeah. that i think as kids we're able to embrace we're encouraged to embrace and yet as adults it's kind of like oh well that's just for kids now and there was that element of the beauty of me of christmas the magic of christmas the magic of music and bringing those together that it gives you the reason the 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 permission right we said earlier the permission it gives you the permission to just um, allow your heart to sing yeah And so where can people find your album and you're going on tour? Where can people find all the details about your tour? Where can they buy their tickets and find everything out about you?
1: Well, uh, lindsaysterling.com has all the tickets on it. It's a U.S. tour. I'm so excited to go out. We've already started rehearsing. It's going to be, I think, a really magical show. We're doing everything from aerial stuff to, like, big props and fun costumes to, like, great choreography work with the most amazing dancers so I can't wait Um, the tour starts in uh, late November goes all the way up till Christmas and um, and yeah the album is basically everywhere but going back to what you were saying before about like I wrote a song specifically about exactly what you were talking about about that childlike wonder almost being awakened inside of us at Christmas time the song is called magic Um, and David Archuleta sings it who I love David Archuleta but like one of the the phrases is you know that life has made me wise But here at Christmas time, I catch a glimpse of life through my childlike eyes. Like, who says there can't be magic? Um, Oh my gosh, that's a special song. It's my favorite song on the album. And, um, you know, and it, it really captures the entire theme of what I hoped this Christmas album would share.
0: It did, homie. That and just more than you can imagine guys guys this woman like i said i have been waiting for her to come on this show for three freaking years and i got her and she's here guys honestly go check her out her music is so freaking beautiful her christmas album is the bomb so you gotta listen to it and if you're not following me follow me at lisa billy if you're not subscribed click that subscribe button down there and guys let us know drop in the comments what was the one thing that sh- the fiery comments that she made today what was the one thing that really hit you right here in the heart drop them in the comments and and until next time, guys, be the hero of your own life. Peace.